This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Who's glad to be at church tonight? All right, well, I'm glad that we're having Sunday night service tonight. We couple weeks there without it. I was I wasn't liking that, man. I wasn't liking that. I got to be at church on Sunday nights. It's what we do. <clears throat> well, um, if you remember a few a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, we started a series on Sunday mornings called the son of Jesse. And we did we got through two parts of it called the son of Jesse. And, if you know, you're familiar with the scriptures. The son of Jesse is referring to King David because Acts 13, 22, remember this verse, Acts 13, 22 says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That's what God said. He refers to David as a man after his own heart. Now, the strange thing is, is that God doesn't say that about anybody else in the scriptures. There's a lot of good guys in the Bible. We got Moses, we got Abraham, we got Noah, we got Paul, we got Peter, we even got John. We've got a lot of great guys who did amazing things, and I'm sure that they were people after God's heart. But only this one guy did God say, I found this guy right here, and he's a man after my own heart. And there's a lot of irony there because David was not a perfect man. He committed some really terrible sins, as we're going to study those in a few weeks. But. David was quick to repent. And we're looking in this series at several reasons why God could have said, this is a man after my own heart. Because my ultimate goal is to not just get to heaven and be like, well, I survived this world. I'm not a survivor. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not even a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror because Romans 8 says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Now, I got to tell you, to be a conqueror would be a pretty awesome thing. I would, I mean, in this natural world, right? Wouldn't it be great if somebody said, there's Paul the Conqueror, right there, you know? I mean, if they put the Conqueror after your name, you're pretty dang awesome. You've, you've, you've conquered some stuff, you kick behind, and people respect you if you're a Conqueror. But Scripture says, no, you're not a Conqueror. You're more than a Conqueror through Christ Jesus. And so, you know, I, I, I'm not just going to limp into heaven and say, oh, I made it through that nasty world. Here I am. I mean, some people just hope to get there. But when I get there, there's a few things I want to hear. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And I also want God at some point to say, uh, there's David right there. He's a man after my own heart. I want to hear God say that about me. And so, if that is going to happen, I believe that I can pattern my life after some of the example of King David. I believe that some of the things that we're studying over these few weeks, if I follow his example in some of these areas, that that's the track to go on. And so, tonight, we're going to be talking about honor. H-O-N-O-R. Honor. We're talking about how King David lived a life of honor. And we, I've got three great examples. I'm going to show you some stories about David, about how David, he was a man that knew about honor. His life was based upon honoring who God told him to honor. And so I'm going to open in prayer here. Then we're going to look at three things tonight about how David lived a life of honor. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your amazing word, Lord, your perfect word. And we know that it's true. There's not a word in there that isn't true. And Lord, we're going to open this up tonight. And I believe you're going to speak to each person here. And you're going to, you're going to show us things that we need to see. Lord, no matter what we're going through tonight, whether it's maybe a financial problem or a relationship issue, whatever it is, you're going to speak to us. Even as we study the subject of honor, you're going to show us what we need to do to live our lives how you want them to be lived. We thank you for for it in advance. And, and everybody said? 
Amen. In the name of Jesus, we say amen. And so the first thing is this. If we're going to talk about how David lived a life of honor, number one, absolutely, David honored God. David honored God first and foremost. And I want to show you something here in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel 7. We'll be in 1 and 2 Samuel most of the ride here tonight. But let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses uh, 1 and 2. 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 and 2. And so here we are, if you're kind of following along this story here. Uh, David, he's, he's fully king of Israel and Judah. That's the United Kingdom now. He's the, he's the king over, over all of it. Saul is dead. We know he, he died in battle, unfortunately, of suicide. But, but Saul, he died. And now David has been officially appointed as king over it all. And so he needs a capital city for his empire, for, for, the, for Israel. And so there's this city called Jerusalem that's uh, occupied by these people called the Jebusites. And so David's like, that's going to be our city. David goes in, and as he gets to the city, all the Jebusites are like, we're in a walled city, man. What are you guys going to do? So, so they're, they're shouting stuff, give it your best try. And David's like, sit back and watch. And within, I mean, no time at all, David goes in and kicks all of them out and takes over their city. And so now the capital city is Jerusalem, and to this day, it's the city of David, right? Jerusalem belongs to the Jewish people. It is the city of David, and so David's got his empire here, and, and they, they build him a, a palace. He, everything's going really good, and he's been working hard. He's been fighting battles. He's been conquering. Things are going good, and so Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 2, it says, when King David was settled in his palace... And the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies. The king summoned Nathan the prophet. So here's the prophet right now. And look at this. He says, look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. And so David, he finally has a moment to rest. He can sit down and enjoy the beautiful palace. He can enjoy some rest from fighting all these battles. He's getting ready to sit down and he looks out the window and there is the Ark of the Covenant living in a tent. And he's like, that's not right. I live in a palace, but God lives outside. This is wrong. Now, maybe you don't know what the Ark of, of the Covenant is. The, the scripture refers to the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God. This isn't Noah's Ark. That was a different Ark. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, as this refers to, is it was a box a couple of feet by a couple of feet, and they plated it with gold and all this stuff. And, and God had Moses direct somebody to build it on Mount Sinai hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, right? And so they put some important things to the Jewish faith in here, and they carry this. No matter where they went, 40 years of wilderness, wherever they went, they carried the Ark of the Covenant, because at this time it contained the presence of God, because the Holy Spirit hadn't come to live inside of people. You get that? Do you realize the advantage you have? That the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you? You've been born of the Spirit? David wasn't born again. David wasn't, wasn't filled with the Spirit. He didn't have that. Now, back then, the Spirit could come upon people and those that God chose, but we have the Spirit literally living inside of us. Big deal. Huge deal. You've got a great advantage that these guys didn't have. And so, anyway, they, the, the presence of God, though, was, was they, they, in this box, and they carried it everywhere. And if somebody disrespected or touched it wrong... Boom, they die. Like, whoa, gee, it was a big deal. And so David sits down in his palace to finally rest. And he looks out there and he could say, 
Oh, finally. Look at this. Isn't this great? I've got this mansion. I've got these people serving me. He could have finally sat down and the normal person would have. We work a 40 hour week and we're like, oh, man, that's all I can take. I'm done. But David conquering and fighting and everything else sits down. and He says, this isn't right. Why in the world am I living in a palace? But God is out there in a box outside. This is wrong. I'm not going to stand for this. And so David says, I know I'm going to build God a temple. That's what I'm going to do. If my palace is this big, God's temple is going to be even this much bigger. If my palace has this gold and this silver, God's temple is going to have all this much greater stuff. And David was determined that God's house was not going to be less than his house. What if we had that honor for God? What if we had the honor that said, I want my house I live in to be nice, but I want God's house, you know, in our day, the church. You know, I, I want, but, but my house, it can't be nice in the church. I've got to take care of that place. I've got to make sure that I'm not living better than what, than what we're doing for God right here. And we know, again, the Spirit lives within us. The Spirit doesn't live within these four walls until we come in. We, we get that? We're all on the same page? All right. But we do honor this particular, you know, as the house of God. But what if we had the same level of honor that David had where he said, I don't care if I've got the nicest house on the block. I, 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 I'm not satisfied with how God is being honored right now. And so David says, that's it. I'm building God a temple. And God speaks to Nathan the prophet, because Nathan the prophet says, do it, man. Go, boy, do it. Yeah, I'm behind you. But that night, the Lord, if you keep reading this chapter, appears to uh, Nathan and says, you've got to tell David this, that yes, I would love to have a temple, but David's not the man to do it. I'm not going to pick David to do it. And I don't know why God didn't let David do it, but God chose David's son, Solomon, to build the temple. And Solomon built God a temple, man. God, it was fancy. And, you know, you can study that in First Kings. But, 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 I mean, Solomon did it up. And, yeah, it was the most, most beautiful, precious, awesome thing that this world's ever seen. But God didn't choose David. But I want to show you something. Because of David's honor for God, God saw his heart right here. Look at verse 12. Same chapter, chapter 7, verse 12. And, and here's what God's saying. He's like, you're not going to be the one to get to do it. But look at verse 12. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Now, we know Solomon started off really great and he kind of deterred there a little bit in the end. I think having a thousand wives probably wasn't the best idea. Nope. <laughs> yeah, he got a little bit involved with the ladies there, but, but he got a little off track. But even through all of that, God didn't remove from him like he did from Saul because Saul... Saul completely turned away and started consulting psychics and mediums. I'll tell you what, right now, folks, you want to tick God off? Go talk to a psychic or a sorcerer. That's a pretty good way to get God mad at you, according to the Old Testament. That is a bat. And that's what Saul did. He started consulting mediums and psychics, and God was like, that's, I am done with this dude. But anyway, so God promises, listen, when your son gets off track, I'll have to discipline him, but I'm not going to remove myself from him like I did from Saul. And sure enough, God kept his promise. But look at this, verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Now, 
God did something really great right here because we know that David's throne, his ancestry continued forever because Jesus Christ was a descendant naturally of King David. And Jesus, would you say that his kingdom is still reigning and ruling even to this day? Yeah, God kept that promise to David that your throne, your kingdom, your dynasty, it's going to last forever. And God kept his word. But when David decided, I'm going to honor God this way, God said, listen, you're not going to be the one to do it, but I'm going to let your son do it, and I am going to bless your kids. I'm going to bless your offspring. I'm going to bless your descendants. And so that tells me right here that my decision on how I'm going to honor God will have a direct impact on my children. That's heavy. That your decision on how you are going to honor God is going to affect your children. And God said, just because you honored me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll bless you, but I'm going to bless your kids, man. I'm going to take care of your kids, your descendants, your offspring. I'm going to bless them. And if for no other reason, that's reason enough right now to honor God, because who wants their kids blessed? We all do, man. And he said right here, because you did this, I'm going to take care of your kids, your descendants, your offspring. I'm going to bless them. And so I know for sure that when we honor God, he blesses our kids. So let me ask this. Let's look at our lives for a minute here tonight. Do you, between you and God, do you feel, are you comfortable with the level that you are honoring God in your life? Are you comfortable? Would you look at your life and say, yeah, man, this is, I really feel like I'm honoring God to the level that, that he deserves. Now, if we're all honest, no one could say that we're truly giving God what he deserves because none of us could ever repay him for what he did for us. But you can look at your life and say, you know what, I'm, I, don't, I don't feel like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not honoring God in the way that he deserves right now. It's called the fear of God. David taught it to his son Solomon. And that's why if you look up the phrase, the fear of God in the scriptures, there's a few New Testament references, but almost all of them were written by David and his son Solomon in the Proverbs. Almost all of them were written by these two guys. By these two guys. And I know that David drilled it in to his kid's head. Listen. You respect God. You honor God. You, you fear God. And what does fear God mean? Well, we've said this a thousand times. It doesn't mean you're afraid of God. It means that you revere and reverence and respect God. And David's, you know, some of his, couple of his kids were really not good. But overall, he taught his kids, you will honor God. You will respect God. You will fear the Lord. And when you fear God, there's, a, a, I mean, so many benefits that the Bible promises us. But especially it does promise us, as David wrote in the Psalms many times, when you fear God, he, he, that, that goes into your kids, man. God remembers your kids. God takes care of your kids. He blesses them. He blesses your kids. And so, no doubt about it, David taught Solomon how to honor and fear and respect God. And so as I'm reading this, I'm looking at my life saying, God... Am I, where am I at in this? Am I comfortable with what my kids are seeing right now? Do my kids see me and say, my dad honors God. My dad, he, he honors God. Because, listen, you don't live a life of not honoring God. A life of, you know, giving God 15% of what you are. I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about of who you are. Giving God 10%, 15% and have kids that grow up 100% on fire for God, just excited and chomping at the bit. 
Lukewarm parents don't raise on fire kids. I've seen, you know what? There's just some things that I've seen for 32 years living in the church, and that's one of them. All right, let's get real here. I, this wasn't my intention to go this route on this message at all, but, but it's what's coming out right now, that David's kids saw him honor God. He wasn't perfect, but he honored God. And when he did wrong, he fessed up and tried to make it right. And because of it, God blessed his kids. And so all of us, let's look at this. Do your kids and grandkids see somebody that honors God? Is that, do you want them in 20 years to be like you? Do you want them to be, do you want their lives to turn out like yours? And of course, all of us, we've made mistakes and stuff, but I want, when I look, when God looks at me and says, that's a man after my heart, he honors me. I want God to say, there's a man that honors me. He's never going to say, there's a perfect guy, but I do want him to say, there's a man that honors me. And guess what? I'm going to bless your kids because of that. I'm going to make sure that I, I'm a fortress. I'm surrounding your kids with favor as a shield. I'm taking care of them because you abide in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91. And so, uh, let's just look at this. Are you comfortable with the level of honor that your kids, grandkids, the people around you, see you giving to God? Do they see you truly honoring God? And all, I mean, I can't answer that for you. That's between you and God. That, that's your business. But are you, are you where you need to be in your honor towards God? Because... God pays it forward to your kids. And so the second thing we're going to say tonight is this. Number one, David honored God. But number two, he honored the authority in his life. Spiritually and naturally, because there was an authority figure named Samuel, the prophet in David's life, and David honored him. There's a, a prophet named Nathan that David honored Nathan. David came to him. David took care of him. David honored the spiritual authority, but he also honored the natural authority in his life. Even when it was, it was this leader that hated his guts. Saul hunted David down through the Israel wilderness for years. He threw spears at him. He spent, I mean, probably tons of money trying to kill David, but David still honored him. That's a big deal. So let's look over here. Let's flip back. I want to show you a story here in 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 3 through 7, but let's look at this. First Samuel 24. Verses 3 through 7. And so, David's been on the run from Saul because Saul, I mean, is just jealous and going nuts because of David's success. And so, David finally has a chance one day to catch up to Saul. And if you know this story, this is probably the number one potty story in the whole Bible. First Samuel 24, of all the potty stories, this is the best one. Look at verse 3. It says, at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Saul was taking care of some paperwork. You know, we on the same track. We... But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Look at this. I mean, talk about you have got the guy that's been trying to kill you. You have got him cornered and you can just totally take care of the problem right here. And so look at this, verse 4. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. 
And so there's a lot of times something may look like a beautiful, brilliant setup from God. And if you're not mature enough, if you don't have a life of honor, you won't know the difference. You're like, okay, yeah, man, let's just do this right now. But let's let's finish this story. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Now, I picture this. I don't know exactly what's going on. You know, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Get that close to a dude. <laughs> they can make... But anyway, he apparently gets close enough. I, you know, I just... <laughs> it must have been a long robe. I have no idea what's going on here. But anyway, so he, he gets close enough. He creeps forward, cuts off a piece of Saul's robe as he's doing his thing. But look at this, verse 5. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord the King, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. You, Saul is the biggest jerk that I've ever seen maybe in all of the Bible. He is not nice. He's tried to kill David. He's hunted him down. Saul even tried to kill his own son for being a friend of David. Now David finally has a chance to do something back. And he just cuts off a little piece of his robe instead of stabbing him. But his conscience bothered him so much. He said, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because that's the Lord's anointed one. He said, God chose him to be the leader. And sometimes God chooses someone to be the leader and you don't like them. But that that doesn't mean that you have the right to not honor them, to disrespect them. And, 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 and I mean, if anybody had a right, if anybody had the, the right to not honor and to disrespect their leader, I think David had pretty good grounds to do something to Saul, right? If anything, it could have been self-defense, right? Anything, man. But David said no. That's God's anointed. God put him in the authority. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. And David's men are like, what's wrong with you, man? God set this opportunity up because at this point, maybe they didn't understand honor like David did. He said, no, that's God's anointed. And David in two other places in Psalm 105 and in Second Chronicles or First Chronicles, David says, you know, you don't touch God's anointed. You don't do his prophets any harm. And I wish people lived by that, by that today. You know what I mean? There's preachers that I don't agree with, but I'm not going to go out and badmouth them and slander them on the Internet. I mean, listen, I may not agree with them, but I, I'm smart enough to know, well, God anointed them. He did, he did call them, and maybe I don't agree with what they're saying. It's not my job to go badmouth them and try to tear them down. It's not my job to try to go, go tear another minister down. You kidding me? No, no way. Absolutely not. Not going to do it. David, David had this in his heart. He said, no. You don't touch God's anointed. No way. You don't do his prophets any harm. You don't do it. And so David had this chance right here. And then uh, verse 7, so David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. They wanted to kill Saul. He's like, no, none of us are touching him. And then you read the rest of the story. David identified himself and said, I could have killed you today, Saul, but I didn't because God chose you. So Saul says, I'm so sorry, David, I'll leave you alone. And then like a few days later, he starts chasing David again because he's crazy. But, but, but he, you know, but David, out of all this, I think that's a pretty big example of what honor is right there because Saul didn't deserve it, but David still gave it anyway. And sometimes you may feel like, well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he deserves it. So I'm not going to give it to him. He didn't earn it from me. 
Well, that's between you and God. See what God says when you get to heaven and says, oh, you know, yeah, that leader, he didn't he didn't earn your honor and respect. So you're right. You shouldn't have given it to him. Hey, that's your business. That's your I'm not that's between you and God, but I don't want to be there for that one. All right. And so David has I'm going to show you another story where David yet again had another chance to get back at the man because Saul promised, all right, I'll leave you alone now. And then goes right back to chasing him, trying to kill him. So look at chapter 26. Chapter 26. We're talking about honor tonight. David honored God and he honored the people of authority in his life. His spiritual leaders, the prophet, you didn't have a lot of pastors, but yet, you know, the prophet was David's leader, his spiritual leader. And then, uh, then David honored even the natural authority in his life. Because David recognized that God put him in that position. So, 1 Samuel 26, look here, starting at verse 5. And so David has another shot at him. It says this, David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were sleeping inside a ring formed by the slumbering warriors. So he's surrounded in the middle. Who will volunteer to go in there with me, David asked Aminelech the Hittite and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother. I'll go with you, Abishai replied. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. So, boom, it looks like another perfect setup. All the other soldiers are asleep. And David and Abishai right here, they've got the spear and everything. Doesn't this look like a perfect setup? To the immature, unhonoring person, you confuse things like this. Like, is this from God? Should I kill him? What should I do here? You don't know. But if you live a life of honor, you know the right thing to do. And so, look at this. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abishai whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I don't need to strike twice. Because all of David's men, they hated Saul for the way that Saul treated their leader. And he's like, one shot is all I need, man, to put an end to this. And, and look at this. No, David said, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after, after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Whoa. Here again, David says, this is God's anointed. Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or maybe he'll die of old age or in battle. But the Lord forbid that I should kill the one he's anointed. But take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. And so David, David is, he has a plan here. You're going to see this. But, but I want you to notice again David's attitude. He's like, God forbid that I touch God's anointed. I'm not going to do it. And you're not going to do it either. He wouldn't let his men kill Saul because, again, Saul was anointed to be the leader of Israel. He did a bad job. He wasn't any good at it, but that is, that's beside the point. He was rebellious and he was, he, was a, he was a bad attitude, wicked sinner, but that doesn't matter. That does not exempt you from showing honor just because you disagree with the person in authority. I don't find anywhere in the scripture where it says, well, you know, honor the king, except for if you disagree with his decisions, then I mean, you know, give it to him, man. If you get a chance, slap him around. No, let's say anything like that. David still showed honor. And so, so let's keep looking. Let's keep looking here. So David took the spear and jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up. Why? Because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. David climbed the hill opposite the camp until he was at a safe distance. Then he shouted down to the soldiers and to Abner, son of Ner, Wake up, Abner! 
Who is it Abner demanded? You know, he's waking up. He, he's yawning and everything. Well, Abner, you're a great man, aren't you, David taunted? Now, you've got to realize that David does have a history and a good, uh, a, a, a good um, ability to trash talk. We saw him do it to Goliath. Now he's doing it to Abner. Hey, hey, Abner, good job, man. And so you're a great man, aren't you, Abner? Where in all Israel is there anyone as mighty? So why haven't you guarded your master, the king, when someone came to kill him? He's like, you're pathetic. This isn't good at all. I swear by the Lord that you and your men deserve to die because you failed to protect your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around. Where are the king's spear and the jug of water that were beside his head? I mean, look at this. David is getting onto these men that have been trying to kill him for not protecting their leader. He's like, you guys are pathetic. Look at you. I came right in there. Where's the jug of water? Where's the spear? There's no one in Israel as heroic and brave as you guys. Pathetic. Make me want to pee. No. He was, he was, you know, but, but David, all this, I could have killed your leader and you would have been asleep. You guys, oh my gosh. And so then again, Saul wakes up. What's going on? You know, oh, I'm sorry, David. I'll quit chasing you around. Liar. He still chases David and tries to kill him. And we know that Saul met his unfortunate demise on the battlefield. But here's David again, honoring the authority in his life. Now, out of all this, do you think David regretted this? Did this end up hurting David in the end? No. Honor will always be for your benefit. Do you think it was easy for David to honor Saul? No. Do you think it was easy for David to respect this guy that was nothing but evil to him? No, but he did it anyway. And because of it, God blessed him. God blessed his kids. His dynasty and his throne endure forever to this day. David's kingdom, because of Jesus, is still ruling and it's still in existence. Isn't that incredible? Because David had honor for the people that God had put into authority in his life. And so, here's my next question to you. How do you feel about your level of honor to the authority that God's placed in your life? Grading yourself. Do you feel like you are honoring the spiritual leaders? And by the way, thank you everybody for all you did for us today. You did, yeah, all right, I'm preaching to the choir here. But do you feel like you are properly honoring and respecting the spiritual leaders in your life? And are you properly honoring and respecting the natural leaders and authority figures in your life? Now, again, you don't have to do this. I'm just saying it worked out pretty good for David, and God said he's a man after my own heart. All right? So, again, between you and God, you and God. But how would, are you comfortable with the level of honor that you're giving your spiritual leaders and the natural authorities in your life. And I'm, I mean, I'm saying this looking at my life. Am I comfortable with where I'm at? Am, am, I, am I living a life of honor like I should be? Because, listen, my kids see this. My, my kids will treat their pastor and their leaders based on how they saw me do it. I saw my dad honor his, his leaders, man. I saw my dad honor his pastors and leaders. I saw him honor the authority in his life. And, and I, I believe I had a good example there. But I'm looking at, what do my kids see right now? Do they see somebody that's honoring and respecting their leaders? Or do they see someone like, yeah, it's, it's the preacher, you know. <laughs> Big deal, you know. Come in, give us a good, you know. What do they see? Because how the kids see you acting in any situation, but tonight we're talking about honor, is how they're going to be. And so, 20 years from now, kids, grandkids, 
Are you going to be happy with the level of honor and respect that they're giving to the authority figures in their life? And we've got to remember that God put leaders in our lives not just to tell us a good job all the time and do things exactly how we want them to do. We talked about submission at our servant leaders meeting a couple weeks ago. Some of you were there at that. Does submission mean that you agree with, you know, with your leaders so you do what they say? No. Submission is never tested in agreement. You don't know if you're submissive until your leader does something that you don't like. If you quit and blow up and run away, you're unsubmissive. But if you say, I, you know, that's not the way I would do it, but we're going to do it that way because you're the one that God put it in my life to be the leader. So you, can't, you don't know if you're submissive until you come to a point of disagreement with your husband or wife, with your pastor, with your leader. You have no idea if you're submissive or not. Because submission doesn't mean that you agree on everything. That's agreement. And agreement's beautiful. Agreement is lovely. And we all like it. But submission and agreement are two different things. David, somehow, I'm not sure how, but David submitted to Saul. And I mean, that's almost mind-blowing how he could submit to this man. He was awful, terrible, but David submitted to him. It's incredible. David was a man of honor and submission. And so, do those beneath us see us submitting and honoring to the leaders in our life? Even if the pastor preaches something you don't like, that's your perfect chance. Do you, do you get up and blow, blow up and, and, and run out? Well, I don't agree with that stuff, man. Unless it's complete diabolical error, you know, saying there's a new way to heaven, then leave. Get out of here. If I ever say that, just run out the doors and never come back. There's only one way to heaven, okay? But, you know, if your pastor has to correct you, if your pastor doesn't have the right to speak into your life without, you know, you blowing up and running off like a little baby, listen, that's that's not honor. That's not submission. And David, we're going to get to this in a few weeks. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But when David sinned in a really bad way, the prophet confronted him. And David didn't say, what are you talking? How, How dare you talk to me like that? I'm the king. No, David said, you're right. Guilty. That was me. I'm the man that did that. And David submitted and David, and David fessed up because he honored his leaders spiritually and naturally. Are you comfortable with the level of honor and respect that you're giving your spiritual leaders and your natural leaders? Let's think about that. And the third area of honor that I get out of David is this. is Number three, he taught honor to those beneath him. Number three, he taught honor to those beneath him. So number one, David honored God. Number two, David honored the, the leaders in his life, spiritually and naturally. And number three, he taught honor to those beneath him. And I want to show you something here in 2 Samuel 23. So let's, let's flip, flip forward a little bit once again. 2 Samuel 23. And we're going to look here at verses 15 through 17. Because once again... There's little ones beneath us following and, and watching. And maybe not even your kids, but there, there's people somewhere that look up to you. And, and, you know, what are they seeing? Are they seeing somebody that has a life of honor? Are they seeing, if you just honor somebody when you like them and you agree with everything they do, I wouldn't really say you're a, you know, you're a person that lives a life of honor. I mean, that's nice. You like somebody, so you're good. But, but honor is more than that. Honor is when you can still respect and treat that person right, even when you aren't in total agreement. And David taught this to those beneath him. So 2 Samuel 23, this is towards the end of David's life. He's reminiscing about this time that the Philistines had uh, captured Bethlehem. 
and, and the, they were surrounding Bethlehem and David's reminiscence. And he's thinking back about all these old times. And David, well, well, let's just pick this up here. 2 Samuel 23, verse 15. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I'd love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. Now, again, Bethlehem is surrounded by the Philistines at, during this story here. And David says, Man, I, my favorite water comes from the well right at the gate of Bethlehem. Now, David had water. He wasn't saying... Guys, go get me water from the gate by the well at Bethlehem. No, he was just saying, man, that's my favorite water. You know, I, I, that's, my, that's my favorite water right there. And look what happens because his men. So the three, so David had three of his mightiest warriors. The three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back to David. They risked their lives for a cup of water. For their leader, for their man of God, for their leader, they risked their lives because he said, oh, my favorite water comes from that well. But look at this. But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. You're like, why would you do that, David? Well, look. He said, the Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David didn't drink it. And these are examples of the exploits of these three guys. But, but I'm looking at this story, and at first you're thinking, well, that's mean, David. They risked their lives. But, he, but David, he's saying, no, no, I, I can, I'm not worthy enough to drink that. These men, they risked their lives to get me this cup of water. I didn't even demand it out of them. I just said, I, that's my favorite water. And, and would you say that these men were men of honor? If you're willing to risk your life, to get a cup of water just because it's your leader's favorite. He didn't tell them to do it. He had water, I guarantee you. But they're like, no, he, that's his favorite. That's what he wants. We're going down there. It says they broke through the Philistine lines and got the cup of water and brought it back. So they were men of honor, but where do you think they learned this? Because this level of honor, this is not a natural instinct. Nobody is just born with honor. It's a, it's a, a taught character trait. You are not born just with the ability to honor. It's something that you learn from somebody. Because if you're in your right mind, you know, you don't just, you don't risk your life for a cup of water. But these guys did it, and they did it because David had taught them. They had seen for years and years and years how David honored Saul. David honored the prophets. David honored, honored honored and in this moment they're like if he wants that water if if we if it kills us we're going to get him that water from bethlehem we're going down there and they brought it back and david once again when he poured this out this is what the bible calls a drink offering and he poured it out before them like no my god god no i can't do this uh i'm not worthy to drink this water is more valuable and precious than the blood of these men that risked their lives and even Paul, in 2 Timothy 3, as he was nearing the end of his life, he says, my life is getting ready to be poured out like a drink offering. I'm getting ready to die for God. And I know it. I'm not ashamed. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid. But my life is going to be poured out as a drink offering. And that's what David did right here. He said, no, I, I couldn't drink this. No way. No way in the world could I drink this. Why? Because David was a man of honor. And he taught honor to these men. And so, again, 
David's teaching honor to those beneath him. What are we teaching our kids about honor? Do they see you as adults honoring your parents? It's getting quiet over here on Soap Mine Road tonight. I've heard of this quiet since for a while. Do your kids see you honoring your parents? I read this old German story a while back about this, this man. He brought his elderly father to live in the house with him and his wife and son. And so the old man, they, they'd bring him to the table every night, but he, he, sh- you know, he was old. He was, and, and he would shake and he'd spill his food. And the wife said, listen, this guy makes more work for me. He spills everywhere, making messes. He's, he's stealing my happiness from me. I, I can't do anything about that. And so the dad said, all right, all right. So he, he put his dad, the elderly father, on his stool in the corner and gave him a bowl. And, and, the, and the old man would sit there and look at the family, you know, eating dinner every night. And, and, and he, would, he would eat out of his little bowl they gave him. And finally one day he had the shake and, and it, it fell on the floor and broke everywhere. And the wife says, okay, if you live like a pig, then we're going to feed you like a pig. You're going to eat out of a trough from now on. And so they build this trough, and the old man would sit there in the corner and eat out of the trough every day while the family ate at the table. And so one day, the dad, you know, the, the, the son, the dad of the, of the wife there and the son, he sees his son building a trough. And, and he's like, what are you doing? And the son says, I'm building a trough, so I have something to feed you and mommy out of someday. And, and, he's, looking at the, and he's looking at, you know, like, for some approval and some, and some, you know, dad to be proud of him. But dad said, oh my God, is this what we've taught you? Is this what we've taught you? And he broke down and the wife broke down and they said, oh my God, you know, your kids are going to do what they've seen. And so from that moment forward, they, 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 they went out and got a comfortable chair for the dad, the old man, they put him at the table and he ate all of his meals there for the rest of the day with honor and respect. But think about it. As you're adults, are you honoring your adult parents in the way that you want your kids to treat you in a few years? Because it's coming. <laughs> oh, it's coming. <laughs> and, and so, you know, let's just think about that. Because honor isn't something you're born with. Honor is something you learn. Honor is something that you learn. And David taught it to his men. And so, do your kids see you honoring your parents? My last question tonight is this. Do your kids see you honoring your spiritual leaders? Do, you know, do they see you on... And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor here at the church, okay? I'm just... Let's, let's learn here for a minute, okay? Do, they, do your kids see you honoring your spiritual leaders? Because that's the way they're going to do it. If you have, if you have no respect or need, really, for, for God, church, and pastor until you're in a bind, then they're not going to either. But do they see you honoring Him? Because Solomon learned his honor for God from his dad, David. And as I said earlier, we should look at this sometime. Solomon went on and he built that temple. Man, did he build it. Oh my gosh, if you study. The, I, and I've looked it up, I forget now, but like the modern value of what the temple would be in our day and age is absolutely mind-blowing. Solomon brought in gold. I mean, he did not hold back when he was building a house for God. Because Solomon honored God. He said, this is, if, if, if our God's going to have a house, it is going to be the fanciest, best thing this world's ever seen. And he delivered on that. Because Solomon had an honor for God that he learned from his dad. I want my kids to have so much honor for God, so much honor 
and respect for their leaders, for their pastor. I mean, I want them to be people of honor because my level of honor will directly impact their lives and their level of honor is going to impact their children's lives. And I want the Samples family hundreds of years from now to be blessed by God, to be a family that's still serving God, serving in the church. I mean, God's blessing all over their lives. But it's going to start, it started with my dad, and he passed it on to me, and I'm passing it on. Because he didn't learn from his parents. Dear God, they didn't honor God. They did not respect God at all. But he, he did, and he passed it to me, and I'm passing it to my kids, and they're going to pass it on down, and God's going to bless this family because of it. And what are you going to do with your family? What are you going to do with your kids? Because they're learning honor from you. They're not going to learn it from me. I mean, they can see it from me and the, and the people at church, but they're going to learn it from you. And do you want your kids to have that blessing? Do you want your kids to be people that honor God? And so my, my question tonight is this. How comfortable are you with the level of honor that you're living in your life right now? Is it where it needs to be? You giving God 50%, 60? Or are you giving God 100% of who you are? That's between you and God. But I know this. When we live a life of honor, you get to hear this phrase. I have found you, son of whoever, a man, a woman after my own heart. You did what I told you to do. And that's what I want God to say to me at the end. Amen? So are you living a life of honor? Only you can answer that. But, but, uh, but amen? If you're not where you need to be, pick it up and let's get there. Because that's what God needs from us. Amen? All right, well, let's go ahead and end there tonight. We'll go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.